welcome to Lunar Magic Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. This week, we're even getting into some mythical things. Ooh, magical, mystical, mythical. Mythical. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to build off the previous episode where we talked about the hero's journey, and we're going to talk about why myth... And some of the basics of myth. There's a plan, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But first, be sure you like, subscribe, and follow. Um, You can listen to the podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can like us over at Lunar Magic Tea Time on Facebook. You can join our Facebook group. You can email us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. And that's the website, LunarMagicTeaTime.com. Also, there's an Instagram that has been very active lately. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Really proud of that. Yes. Actually, I'm especially proud of the post I did yesterday. That was really good. Really liking that one. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) one of the things that I've always found most interesting about myths is that we all have them. And by all of us, I mean as individuals Mm -hmm. and as cultures as peoples. There doesn't seem to be a single solitary culture that doesn't have some sort of myth. Yeah. Um, Even if it's just a very simple, we're riding on the back of a turtle kind of a thing, right? That's still a myth. But we'll we'll get into definitions. Trust. I have a plan, always. (laughs) That's a big fat lie. (laughs) I, I, anyway, <laughs> let's, let's go That's ahead. It's a different show. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That'll be for after Christmas when we all need to defrag. <laughs> so let's start with the basic definition of myth. And I'm going to use the one from the Oxford Dictionary. A traditional story, especially one concerning the early history of a people or explaining some natural or social phenomenon, and typically involving supernatural beings or events. Myth is closely related to and connected with religion. Now for me, personally, myth also encompasses things like legends and folk tales, as well as things like urban stories and urban legends and Mm -hmm. those sorts of things. So really, even beyond the Oxford Dictionary definition, I found a quote when I was doing my research for this, and I love it. It's from Joseph Campbell, who if you are interested in the study of myth and the concept of myth, you should be reading his work. He he's one of the oldest names in the game, and he really does know what he's talking about. So Joseph Campbell's definition of myth from the works collected in the book Goddess, Mysteries of the Divine, quote, my definition of mythology is other people's religion, which suggests that ours must be something else. My definition of religion then is misunderstood mythology, end That's, quote. That is pretty accurate. And I freaking loved that because when we flip it a little bit like that, we take the dogma and the heavy garbage Mm -hmm. that comes with the idea of religion, right? And puts it really where we want it to be for our conversation, which is something that we can apply individually to our lives. Mm -hmm. Myth helps shape our collective cultural existence. Right. If we think about where we come from and where not where we're going, but our stories and we all know our forgotten stories and our forgotten stories. But like in America, everybody knows Zeus 
right? We have that concept. That's a cultural touchstone. Yeah. Right? They help us construct how we move through our world. And in some cases, they help us construct or shape or guide how we think. And I mentioned that in last week, not last week's, but the last episode. episode. So please be sure to give that this is all a series. (laughs) This is all a plan. They help give us answers to the questions that that do naturally come to humans. Myth can tell us where we come from and where we should be going. And myth functions as our map, our cultural map. Humans are by nature storytellers. We communicate through sharing stories. So even if I'm just telling you about my day, I'm telling you a story. Mm-hmm. I will leave out certain details or I'll embellish other details. And I'm shaping a I'm crafting a story to engage the listener, but that's, you know, not myth. Yeah. (laughs) Right? We use stories to connect and explain. So stories, and therefore myths, they shape how we think. And this is being backed by science. There's a lot of work being done that looks at how the language you were raised in will inform the way you think. One great example of this is is a small tribe in the Pacific Islands. They don't have words for left and right. They only have words. They they tell you where something is by giving its cardinal direction. So Nancy is... (laughs) Shut what? Nancy is... I am terrible at cardinal direction. Yeah, you would not thrive in this environment. No. Because unless I see the sun, I don't know west and east. I mean, I kind of know in town, but if you took me and dropped me off somewhere, if I don't see the sun, forget it. I don't have. I don't Interesting. have. Interesting. I don't have a natural compass. See, I do. So, so right now, Nancy is sitting across from me, but I would not say Nancy is sitting across from me in this culture. Instead, I would say Nancy is directly south of me. Yes, and this includes. Saying things like where things are on your body. So like my left leg is my... Wait. But see, that would change based in the in the direction. I am assuming based on the article that I read that they have a true north, i.e. where the north star is or the, you know, like a cardinal north. But then you have a personal north is the way it kind of read to me. But I was not reading the, the full study. Yeah, if you think of yourself as north-south. So the funniest thing to, I think it was today on Instagram, and it was a comedian, she was talking about women. Women go, go down, turn right on target, go down to the thing. She goes, my mother, my mother goes, you go down past Jose, you know that guy that stole whatever from there, and then you take a left at Maria, you know, she's a whore, you know her. Okay, (laughs) so, so you know what's really funny about that? is I grew up very, very rural. And when I tell you I grew up rural, this town I grew up in had is actually four municipalities in a approximately 20-mile radius that all feed into the school system. That's how they're counting the area, right? Okay. In that 20-mile radius, there are less than 3,000 people. Oh, wow. Okay. When I tell you rural, what I mean is the nearest Walmart is a 50-minute drive away. <laughs> and that is not that is not hyperbole. Yeah. That is the nearest Walmart is a 50-minute drive away. So where I grew up, you don't give directions, directions via street names or addresses. You go, hey, you remember where that guy was that sold you that janky guitar well remember where his mom lived 
All right. But you're not going to go to her house. And or if you were describing it to a visitor, Uh. you would say, "Okay, so the liquor store. (laughs) Now, I don't know how they're giving directions now because I got rid of all the liquor stores. So I guess you're screwed. But at no point. I mean, you literally (laughs) I remember once. We had driven out to my friend Gina's house and got to her house. Her mom's like, oh, sorry, she's not here. She's babysitting over at so-and-so's. And we're like, "Um, okay, where do they live? And Gina's mom. So you're going to go out our driveway. And then you're going to turn right. And you're going to drive down the highway until you drive um, about three quarters of a mile past the Petersons. And then when you get in, when you've gone three quarters of a mile past the Petersons, you're not really going to see it, but there's that dirt road. You can see it in the daytime, but it's not daytime, so I don't really. Good luck. And then you're going to go down the dirt road, and you're going. But then there's the branching dirt road, and then there's a red barn, and dead. And we're like, woman, you lost me. Tell Gina we stopped by. That's right. We're not going. We're out. We did find her though. She was not where she told her mom where she was. Sorry, Gina. For teenagers. Yes, we so were directions. It's different yeah. for different cultures. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, but again, that's my upbringing. Yeah, compared to. Has yeah. a completely different lexicon than Nancy's upbringing. Yeah. Because. I, mean, I grew up in Central Isla, in New York. Yeah. There's out there. Um, definitely was not that small. I think my graduation class was just under 500. And then. that's. Yes, you people out there, I'm old. <laughs> That's not like five, five, there's not 500 kids that feed into the school. Yeah. And that's what we're saying. That's really the bottom line is the myths and the cultures shape the language, which in turn shape how we view the world. And uh, so what sorts of myths do we encounter? We're going to get into the types of myths. And again, please remember in this con- in this particular for this episode specifically, we're kind of involving things like fairy tales and excuse me, legends and urban legends just kind of generally, mm-hmm. not specifically, if that makes a lot of sense. I just kind of want to keep those stories under the same myth umbrella. So what's what kind do we encounter? Almost every culture is going to have some form of creation myth. And that's not going to be exclusive to a culture. It's you hear, you know, all the time of your family. Your family tells their creation story. Mom, pa got together and begot Amos and begot. Right. That's a creation story. That's a creation story. So they're usually pretty important to a community as they either place humanity in a universe that is at one with nature or in a universe that is created by a higher being or uh, there's some other variations. But the bottom line is the creation myth tells humans where their culture is placed in the world. And then we have savior style myths. These can be myths that save humans from a bad time or it can be saving us in the afterlife. So we all know the story of Christ. That's a savior story. That's saving us in the afterlife. I was trying to, oh, I, never mind. I forgot the one I had for the bad time on earth. But there's myths about how humans got things like fire or the arts or smithing or, you know, things like that. The Prometheus brought fire to the Greeks and then was punished for it because it put them on more equal footing 
and Zeus is a jealous bastard. Please. That man. (laughs) Anyway, how did humans who seem to, you know, we don't, we're never really represented as particularly clever, right? In the stories, just generally speaking, we're not. How do we, how do we get complicated things like steel or pottery or even, again, fire, right? Yeah. Then there's the myths that explain the bad in the world. Things like the stories around werewolves and fays, the fae that help keep us aware that the woods, especially back when these stories were incredibly popular, the woods are dangerous. Yeah. Why are the woods dangerous? There's deadly things in them. What are those deadly things? Well, they're kind of like us, but not, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. They don't want us out there. No. Humans are bad. (laughs) Generally speaking. (laughs) And then there's myths about the concepts of good and evil and why they exist. So I was going to do a big chunk on the archetypes that we meet in myths, but we did that last episode. Um, There's very, very few new characters in a myth. Yeah. There's always going to be, not always, but we're going to have the same themes. We're going to have mentor. We're going to have trickster. We're going to have a shapeshifter. Um, the golden child who doesn't want to be the golden child, that kind of thing. Those are all core key things. And we don't need to rehash that exactly. But the trick to understanding myth is not to see it as a factual thing. So the story of Zeus's birth is not literal, but it's a tale of the links a mother will go to in order to save her family. And if you don't remember the story of Zeus's birth, his mother, and in various stories, she's either Gaia or another goddess titan but let's just go with gaia for right now because that's the one i can remember and we all know how good i am at remembering names (laughs) so gaia and chronos had there was a prophecy that chronos would be slain by his child so every time gaia would give birth chronos would eat the child until and so this went on and went on and went on multiple children until until she saved with him well you know it's a different time (laughs) (laughs) so In the end, she decided to trick him, and she gave birth to Zeus, hid him away, wrapped up a rock, fed the rock to Kronos, who ate the rock, and then Zeus slayed Kronos, cut open his stomach, and released all of the 12 major, uh, 11 major deities of Greek mythology. Right? That's not literal. But Gaia went to great lengths to hide the fact that she'd given birth again. Yeah. And that she'd given birth to the prophecy bringer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we can see it as that. And we can see it as the tenacity of Zeus, although not really because he didn't do much except kill Kronos. I don't like Zeus. <laughs> he can fight me. He will lose. <laughs> uh, monsters in myth often represent aspects of our humanity and they aren't real monsters and I think a really good example of this is again the werewolf Mm -hmm. it is the human who gives in to their more animalistic nature who then loses control and loses their humanity and then gets it back you know or a vampire isn't necessarily a truthful vampire it is a person who lives will to live (laughs) (laughs) well but they also strip you of your humanity that way Mm -hmm. right when you read or listen to a story 
be aware of what parts are getting a reaction out of you. What are the turns of phrases that are sticking? What parts are you placing high value on? And what parts are you saying, you know, meh, that that doesn't matter. I mean, you should be aware of what doesn't matter Yeah. to you. You know what I mean? And then start exploring why those parts are important. Start asking yourself why that resonated so much with you or why one part got you a particularly visceral reaction. Like today, I'm reading a book. This book is filling me with massive amounts of anxiety, because, in part because the author has crafted a story that leaves me hanging at all times. Yeah. I don't I like, like that. Yeah. I like a story. I mean, I'm loving this book. Don't get me wrong. But I, for a peaceful reading in <laughs> time, I'm not going to pick a story that has constant, unrelenting cliffhangers yeah I just wouldn't do that the story I would read for peaceful reading would just be the smooth story it can have all the emotions in it yeah but that the no I don't like that yeah (laughs) I'm gonna I'm so gonna finish that tonight I already know (laughs) (laughs) so the most important thing to remember the most important thing to remember is that myths don't have to have a codified strict meaning And that the power and meaning of myth can change as the culture it lives in changes. And as you, the person taking in the myth, grow and change. So while the story of Persephone and Demeter may have have started off as a tale to explain why things grow in the spring, but not the winter, I tend to see it as a story of a woman who is torn and living a dual life. Persephone is both devoted daughter to, to her mother Demeter. She... In the, in the story, she helps bring spring and the abundance and all of that. Yeah. But she's also a devoted wife who aids her husband in his task of ruler of the underworld. She didn't fight, she right? To fight her time to... She splits her time. mother having to juggle and, everything. <laughs> well, and, and the beautiful thing about Persephone is she is the fullness, really, of life, yeah. right? She is... Yep bringing harvest and she is bringing death and we can't have the one without the other and da, 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 and that and Persephone is that that bridge between yeah. as opposed to some poor little victim who got yeah. kidnapped you know that's my interpretation of what you yeah. as a listener as a reader or what you are absolutely welcome to interpret yeah. you view the story or myth yeah I've been totally into ancient civilizations and We've forgotten who we are. Just put that in one big sentence. So originally I was thinking of Pandora's box. And then I was watching Graham Hancock, which is one of my new favorite person, on ancient civilizations that are going back thousands of years further, back 12,000, back to the, the frozen, the great flood. And I went, oh, myth, legends. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing is all over the world, they have similar stories of the Great Flood. Yeah, in a boat, a canoe, a piece of bark, mm-hmm. <laughs> up to the higher levels. You've all been bad. Going to turn on the faucet, kill you all. And then someone coming in and save because we don't want to kill everybody. We're going to save some people, whether it's Noah or um, there is ones in India and there was a, a raw and... Segment, I would pronounce it wrong, about disrespect and unfaithfulness and 
But that one was easy because it had the wine jugs, which I found funny. Hey. Hey. (laughs) But yeah, it's all. And then, so all similarities, besides the 40 days or lots of water, um, there's always a boat, whether it was the ark, the canoe, grab your seeds or animals. Mm -hmm. So the things that you're going to save. And a bird. Mm -hmm. There was crows. There was all kinds of birds that they had some and they would send out. Mm -hmm. And it would come back. The one, when it didn't come back, they figured the water had receded. One came back with a twig or a plant in its mouth. So all the things. So the birds tied into the story. And it's all like you've been betting, like, mm. to me, I go, okay, we had a flood. I don't buy that the gods decided to flood us all out. But man, use that as a way. You've been bad. We almost got annihilated. So now you need to toe the line. Or, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I mean, the, the, and all, oh, and the, um, the seven great sages that help rebuild is throughout different religions in different parts Mm -hmm. of the world it's always seven now he kind of buys that we did have a more intelligent race and those came to help it's interesting Mm -hmm. each culture had their own not not um not alien but we were a lot more advanced and see like maybe atlantis or something like that or i don't know well what i find really interesting is we're really in the middle of watching what happens when we don't support our people and what we're and and we have we have actual historical evidence you know we call um rome we we hold up rome as this amazing civilization and everybody's like well when they left britain especially oh those those heathens they didn't know how to maintain the road no Mm-hmm. They did, but it wasn't useful to them. Yeah. It was useful to the Romans to have those roads, but it wasn't useful to the Britons. Yeah. And to have those roads. So it wasn't that the technology was lost. It was that the te- technology wasn't useful. Yeah. And how useful is it to you to know how to repair a carriage? Yeah. Exactly. Right? It isn't lost knowledge. Yeah. It is not useful knowledge. And when you're dealing with cultures and civilizations who are, who don't have the capability in that moment, and it doesn't matter what that moment is or how advanced you are in that moment, Mm -hmm. if you don't have the resources, if you don't have the capability to keep alive things that aren't useful to you, yeah. How much, how much, and no one talks, well, but how much when, when the Black Plague decimated Europe and it decim, literally decimated yeah. Europe, how much information was just no longer worth hanging on to? It isn't that these are, you know what I mean? Like, it's not that, that. Well, and I think as, I don't know what you want to call it, the, our kind of society we have lost the storytelling mm-hmm. compared to indigenous people. Exactly. Who still pass down the star people and all the stories and still have stories, the hundred and how many, 150, whatever, how many tribes in North America, they're still passing those down. Mm-hmm. 
Where if you look at the average, um, let's say, white person, in, we don't have that anymore. We don't get those stories of mm-hmm. sitting around the campfire or it's passed down from generation to generation. We barely get the information on our great-grandparents. And what I find incredibly interesting is as storytelling humans, right, we are desperate to create that. We're desperate to create that, which is why concepts like the urban legend and why you have these inventions of let's take the Slender Man story because that's so good because it's so new. We can track where the first mentions of that come from. Yeah. And we know, right, that these are stories made up by people trying to explain their fear. Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't even need to be anything more than than that. Mm-hmm. These are your your you know, modern society tends to make us all stressed out. It's designed that way, Especially honestly. Now. And yeah, they want to keep you. And uh, the I. The Slenderman is so perfect for that because he's just this gangly thing. He's got this really, he's built with a really long reach. And his whole point is just to make you anxious, yeah, you know, and kill you through that. Yeah. And it's just like, this is beautiful. This is, this is a segment of the culture of the society trying to, to find explanation through, Mm -hmm. frankly, a creepy dude. Yeah. And, you know, we've lost the good legends and myth, too. One thing, I was thinking about this the other day, in watching Black Panther. What kind of The thing that came to me when they're all, all the tribes or whatever, what do you call them, the different... Mm-hmm. The um, tribes, yeah. The tribes. Um, even though there's different ones and they had their fight, there was still that sense of community that we have just lost. Yeah. Especially in the last four years. And I think that's for a reason as Americans, I think that's how we, why we tie back to our Celtic roots or something because mm-hmm. we're searching for that community or that connection. Where Certainly for we, white Americans. Yeah. We're like just straight up, it. certainly for white Americans yeah. because black, indigenous, and other people of color. They, they might have still kept they. Some, I know that the indigenous community that I grew up in still very much kept that alive yeah. for the most part. And I, and, um, and I know a lot of black communities have kept that and it's not on a big grand scale, yeah. but it's their small community scale. Yeah. And you're right. That's, that was an endearing method, method message actually through that whole movie. Oh, that movie was so good. Go see Wakanda forever. Yeah. I just thought, it's a community that everybody's well, even, searching for, and you know, especially with we're so divided as a country right now. It's like everybody's searching for that just community, mm-hmm, I guess you would call mm-hmm. it. And we've just lost that. I mean, that's so why I spent so much in tracing the ancestors because we've just lost that connection. Like, mm-hmm. um, I was talking to one of my cousins. Like, she goes, "I don't, I don't even know my my great grandfather's name." just because they were gone before. And I think in the past, you would talk about your ancestors more, even your last two or three generations, where we just don't have that. And I'm not saying everything. I'm going by my own personal history. I think that's why I do tie to my Celtic roots so much, because I'm looking for that. 
mm-hmm. sense of community. Pretty sure if I went to Ireland, I wouldn't come back. Scotland. <laughs> well, at least not for a long time. Watch out, Ireland. But since my grandmother was born in Ireland, I can become a citizen. Oh, nice. I might just do it just because. Yeah, if you have a a grandparent that was born as a citizen was a citizen of that country, you can become a citizen of Ireland. My grandpa. Huh. I saw that something the last couple of years ago. I was like, huh. Especially when all this stuff was started, I'm like, huh. Because <laughs> my grandpa... My, I wouldn't because I have grandkids, but really the thought is there. Yeah, both my grandpas in, immigrated. Uh, one from Ireland, one from Scotland. Nice. Yeah, I'm very... Very Celtic. Very. Like, uh, just, mine's like 74%. Well, and I mean, just even just... Aside from genetics, when you can, like, my, on my mom's side, my grandpa came from Ireland, and my grandmother's mother, I have vague memories of this woman. She was alive Mm. when I was at least five or six, and I know she had an Irish accent, Mm. but I don't remember if she had an Irish accent because they were so isolated, Mm. and, but I, who knows? Anyway. My paternal grandparents are both gone before I was born, so that side of the family and my maternal grandmother was born in Ireland, so whether that's one of the reasons I tied that, my um, grandfather is um, more Scandinavian, but past life, who knows? I've always been, a, it's the Celtic that's always been calling to me, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Well, and Celtic witch, I don't know. Well, for me, it was just because it was my dad's Scottish, like yeah. both his mom, both his dad, like they can trace it. Scottish, Scottish. Yeah. Like, Scottish, 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 Scottish. So, it was just always around. Yeah. That. So, anyway. <laughs> we divulge we, a little bit, really. We, we digress, kinda... always. <laughs> um, but really, that's, that's kind of the lesson we want to leave you with this week, is when you're hearing story, any story, when you're absorbing a story, for the sake of absorbing a story, what is resonating with you? How can you... Look at that and apply it to your life, if at all. You know, take take what works, leave what doesn't. But remember, you know, we need to be thinking, we don't need to be, but we should be thinking in these bigger, better ways to really to break the cycles. Yeah. The, the cycles of, you know, keep your head down and just work. The cycle of, you know... The less you know, the better. Like, just breaking the cycles. Breaking that control cycle. And let's remember who we were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which has been thousands and thousands of years. They've tried to hide it. We're, every single person out there, especially our listeners, you're a lot more than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Don't be tied back by whatever you want to call them. The upper one, the <laughs> cabal, whatever you want to call those people. Capitalists. Capitalists. That oh, really? is not who we are. Yeah. And you know, I, one of the things I always say to trolls on the internet, because a troll on the internet has the same four arguments, no matter the topic. Yeah. And I always say, oh, you know, you can think bigger and you can think better. You can be a bet. You can do this for you. And I always mean it like, I don't, you don't need to agree with me. But if you're coming at me with the same four arguments that 47 other people in the comment thread have already come at me with, you can do better. You can be, you can do it. You can think for yourself. (laughs) 
Don't be one of those people. All right. Don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast application. That's we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Castbox. Sure. Uh, you oh, can find them. <laughs> you can find places we're not even aware of. <laughs> oh, for sure. Um, you can follow us on Instagram. You can join our Facebook group. You can follow us over on Facebook. You can email us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. And that is the website, lunarmagicteatime.com. As always, have a magical day. Discover who you are and show them show. who we are. Those are great (laughs) words to end it by. (laughs)